and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about Auckland. Is it a good place to invest? Is it hot or is it not? Now, look, Auckland often sparks a bit of a debate, not just because it's full of Jaffers like myself, but because as well as New Zealand's largest city, it is also New Zealand's most expensive city. Now, Andrew, start off by talking about the pros and the cons of Auckland, and then we're going to dive into it a little bit more. So the first pro is something that's specific to now. So right now, it is undervalued, and we'll talk more about that later on. You generally get higher capital growth long term. So when you look at the capital growth of Auckland compared to the capital growth of, say, Nelson, significantly better capital growth. And it has got not only a massive population now, but the projections for population growth are huge. And so obviously that's going to create demand for your investment property. In terms of cons, it is really expensive. And this is definitely something that I've bought into for a number of years. My hesitance to investing in Auckland is that it's really expensive. You don't get as much bang for buck when you're investing in property there. And because of that, you will typically get a lower yield. And so that will affect your cash flow of the rental property. And I guess the other thing is, you're most likely to invest in a townhouse if you're looking for a growth, as opposed to a house that you can invest in in, say, Christchurch. And some investors don't like that. Same thing with apartments. You might be more likely to buy an apartment in Auckland compared to if you were investing in, say, Blenheim, where there aren't that many apartments. Let's start by looking at whether Auckland is over or undervalued. You can get this data absolutely for free on our website under the Data Hub. Now, for everybody watching on YouTube, you can see this. For everybody listening to the podcast, I'll explain it for you. So back in April 2016, it looked like Auckland house prices were about 13.5% overvalued. And the reason behind that is that after we got out of the GFC, after we got through that housing market downturn, from about 2012 onwards, we saw Auckland house prices go off. Yep, you know it, like a frog in a sock. They just went up astronomically. But once we got to 2016, we got new LVR restrictions coming from the Reserve Bank and everywhere else started going up in value outside of Auckland, a lot of the regions, and Auckland stayed relatively flat. Now that meant that Auckland got relatively less expensive compared to everywhere else. Right now, Auckland house prices are about 9.3% lower than what I would typically expect them to be. And if you want to understand how we calculate this, there's a whole explanation on the website. You'll be able to find that. I think the really important thing about this is that it is lower as a percentage than it has ever been as far back as we have data. Yeah, right back to 1992. And actually, I was recently reading in Tony's View, Tony Alexander's weekly newsletter, one of the things he says is that of some significance is the support which his surveys are showing that Auckland will outperform the cycle. Now, he talks a lot about this, but what he effectively means is that if you think about how well everywhere else is going to go in terms of how fast house prices are going to increase or fall, he expects Auckland to do better than everywhere else over the next housing cycle, which would be somewhere between five to seven years. Now, Andrew, the second thing that's really interesting is that historically, Auckland's house prices have increased more quickly compared to everywhere else. Now, this can sometimes cause a bit of a contention because it depends on which data you're looking at. But just walk us through that data. Yeah, if we look at the rate in which Auckland house prices have increased over the long term, Auckland has generally gone up by an average of about 7% per year. Now, the rest of New Zealand has gone up by 6.2% per year. So 
there's almost a percent difference. It is quite a significant amount of difference when you're talking about an investment worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And think about it this way. Since 1992, Auckland house prices have increased 8.3 times that value. The rest of New Zealand, excluding Auckland, has only increased 6.6 times. Now, I say only. That's still huge, but it's not 8.3 times. So how does that, like, if I'm an investor thinking about how much money I'm actually going to make, that sounds great, but put it in dollar terms for me. So think about it this way. If I went and bought a property 30 years ago, and I had 150 grand, or I borrowed 150 grand, and I bought one in Auckland and one in another centre. Now, that property... Well, which centre was it? It was was Christchurch, okay? (laughs) (laughs) What property did you buy for 150k in Christchurch? (laughs) Now, since then, if we use that that percentage, the Auckland property is now worth 1.245 million, okay? You can imagine that a property would be worth 1.25. That's actually less than the average value of a house in Auckland. The property that was in Christchurch is worth 990. Okay, so one's worth about 1.25, one's worth about a million dollars. Yeah, so either way, I spent 150 on each of them. I'm still feeling quite rich, but I'm a quarter of a million dollars richer with that investment property in Auckland. Yeah, under those numbers. And the person who had invested in Christchurch in that example would still feel really chuffed. Oh, I'm happy about that. But imagine how chuffed you'd be if you had an extra quarter of a million oh, dollars. Oh, you'd feel so much smarter, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, these differences matter because why are we investing in property? We're investing in property to create a passive income over time. We're investing in property to sort our retirement out when we eventually want to stop working, whether that's at 40, whether that's at 80, whether it's at 90 like Andrew. And so whatever reason we're investing in property, there's a really good reason for wanting to invest in the best place possible. Now, that is not always going to be in Auckland, but we do see that Auckland house prices increase faster than the rest of the country as a whole. And one thing that powers that is simply population growth. So right now, there's about 1.7 million people who live in Auckland. Over the next 25 years, from today in 2023 up to, I think it's about 2048, it's projected that another 400,000 people will move to Auckland or will have natural population growth there. But that means that we're going to have an extra 400,000 people. We're going to go from 1.7 million to 2.1 million people in our largest city. Now, to put that into perspective, I know I've said it before, but it is the equivalent of everybody in Christchurch over the next 25 years packing their bags, jumping on NZ573, and then moving to Auckland. Like, That's crazy to think about it that way, isn't it? When you think about it that way, it's, it's, it's as if two Hamiltons moved to Auckland. Everyone in Hamilton packs their bags, goes there. They've all had lots of babies, so there's another Hamilton magically. <laughs> they pack their bags too and move there. It would be the equivalent of everybody in Tauranga, Hamilton, and Napier and Hastings packing their bags and all moving to Auckland. That's what's expected to happen over 25 years. And, of course, all of those people are going to need somewhere to live. And what is that going to mean? It's going to mean more demand for rentals. It is also going to mean more demand for housing as well. Now, if we look at how fast the population is growing around the country and compare it to Auckland, somewhere like Selwyn District, Rolleston, that's expected to have about 60% population growth. Now, Auckland's percentage growth is about half of that. But because Auckland is already so large, we're talking about 400,000 extra people in Auckland and we're probably talking about an extra 30,000 people in Rolleston or Selwyn District. 
So that's sometimes where we've got to think differently about percentage growth versus absolute growth because it might be easier to create another 15,000 houses for that extra 30,000 people in Rolleston. It's going to be harder to create the extra 200,000 houses needed for all of the people who are going to move to Auckland. So pretty compelling case for the pros of Auckland, but let's also talk about the cons. And affordability is one of the ones you're often thinking about, Andrew. Yeah, I think affordability is probably the big thing that most investors, if they haven't invested in Auckland or they're not from Auckland, this is the immediate thing they think. And like, I can completely understand it. Being a Cantabrian and buying properties for, you know, back in the day, $200,000, the thought of spending double that and investing in Auckland was quite scary to me. And so if you think about, you know, your average price in Auckland at the moment is $1.3 million. In Dunedin, it's about just a bit over 600000 So it costs more than double to buy in Auckland than it does in Dunedin. Lower Hutt is $777,000 at the moment. So again, big gap there. And Christchurch is 733. So again, a huge gap. You are taking a significant step up to invest in Auckland. And one thing to remember is, you're not, as an investor, buying the average house. So if you're investing in Auckland, you're probably not spending $1.3 million, but you are spending somewhere between $700,000 and $1.1 million if you're wanting a growth property. And if you're wanting a yield property, dual key apartments probably costing you between nine fifty dollars $1.1 million. So we aren't talking numbers for the faint-hearted. Yeah, the main point there to talk about is that although the average value, according to CoreLogic, might be $1.3 million, the average investor isn't buying a $1.3 million house. You might get something for starting from 700 k in Auckland, you know, and that compares to maybe starting at 550 k or 540k in Christchurch. So when you look at the average values of an Auckland house versus a Christchurch house, it looks like there's a half a million dollar difference, and on average there is. But if you think about what you might actually purchase as a new build investment property, just because that's what we work with all of the time, the difference might be more around the 150, maybe max up to that kind of 350k mark, depending on what you're actually going to purchase. So it's unlikely to be the half a million dollar difference, but it will be potentially a couple of hundred thousand dollars. One other major con is the fact that it's lower yield. And I know we actually talked about this interest.co.nz article. What they do is quite useful. They release what's called their rental yield indicators. And there, there are some ways they crunch it. You can find it on their website. But if we think about somewhere like Auckland for the whole region, they're suggesting that you know the average rental property might have a 4.2% gross yield if it's a three-bedroom house, maybe starting with a five in front of it, if it's a two-bedroom unit, might have a 5% gross yield. Now, if you compare that to, say, a three-bedroom house in Whangarei, the gross yield on a three-bedroom house is 1% higher. If we compare that to somewhere like Christchurch, again, they said it was a 4.2% yield for a three-bedroom house in Auckland. For Christchurch, they're saying it's 5.1%. So again, almost a percentage higher once you get outside of Auckland. So because of those higher property prices, Auckland properties don't tend to be as high yielding. And one thing I will say is that sometimes we deal with people who are perhaps from Invercargill or from Nelson, and they'll look at rents in their areas and the rents that people actually pay in Auckland and think, do people really pay that much to rent a house? The answer is often yes. One thing you've got to remember as well is that Auckland tends to have higher salaries simply because of that higher cost of living. 
But the other con that people often think about, Andrew, is that you're more likely to buy a townhouse or an apartment if you invest in Auckland. Yeah, I think that generally speaking, if you want something to be that perfect balance between good capital growth and good cash flow or reasonable cash flow, you aren't probably going to be investing in a house just because the numbers don't generally work, unless you're going to buy something and renovate the hell out of it. And so therefore, you're going to default to a townhouse so you can get that optimum yield. Or maybe if you're looking for a yield-based product, you're looking for an apartment. So some people just don't like the idea of investing in an apartment or even a townhouse. Now, again, this might just require a little bit of education around the capital growth that you get from townhouses because there's this misconception sometimes that the capital growth is really, really poor, whereas we've done some research to show that actually it's pretty similar to a house. But again, if you're not into townhouses or apartments, then maybe Auckland isn't the right fit for you. Yeah, unless you're going to renovate and flip and all of those kinds of things. Now, let's talk about if you're going to invest in Auckland, whereabouts are you going to go? And one of the coolest things, you can get this for free on our website. I've just updated the maps where you can see the capital growth of every suburb in Auckland. And actually, you can see this for, for most other cities as well. Uh, if you have a play around on our website. Now, Andrew, whereabouts are you recommending people invest? So Mangadei is a great spot where you're getting really, really high historic capital growth. So historic capital growth there is 7.68. But not only that, you also get high yield. So we want this perfect balance between as much growth as possible, but with as good yield as possible. Often the more growth you get, the more yield you sacrifice. So an area like Hoon Bay, for example, really, really high capital growth, 8.78. So that means that house prices have increased on average by 8.78% per year. That's higher than the average of 7%. But you were saying that Mangadei has gone up by 7.68% per Correct, year. correct. Because Mangadei is one of those areas where you can buy an affordable property and therefore the yield is significantly better than the likes of Hoon Bay. So what's the yield on Hoon Bay? So if we look at Mangadei, the average gross yield there is 3.6%. And if we would go to Hoon Bay, it's only 1%. Now, there are some very important disclaimers I need to give you about this data. And actually, uh, I've got to do it because I was recently down in Palmerston North speaking to the Marable 2 Property Investors Association. And Pauline, their president, said that me talking about the data was quite interesting. So here you go. Thank you, Pauline. <laughs> when you're looking at the gross yields, especially on these maps, and generally when economists talk about it, they're looking at the average rent and the average house value. Now, Hearn Bay is a really good example of where it goes totally haywire. Because according to bond data from Tenancy Services, the average rent or median rent in Hearn Bay is $650. But the average house value there is just under $3.4 million. Now, let's be clear. A $3.4 million house in Hearn Bay is not being rented out for $650. It's just that the average rental might be a two-bedroom unit that might actually be worth you know, $1.5 million, for example, something around that. So that's where the average house in Hoon Bay isn't the average rental. If you look at Margaret, it's probably closer to the truth, though I still think a little bit understated. So the median rent there is $620. The average house values touch under $900,000. A $900,000 house there is probably renting for slightly more than $620 a week, but sometimes you get a mismatch for that exact same reason. The average rental isn't the average house. Nonetheless, these maps are still useful because you're looking at, well, on average, where are high-yielding properties? On average, where are lower-yielding properties? Now, when we put these two maps together, generally speaking, the main hotspots I'm looking at are out in West Auckland because you've got quite good yields, but 
in certain areas, you can get some good capital growth as well. So New Lynn, even Calston and Ranui and Sunnyvale have historically had relatively good capital growth, but you also get really good yields as well. Same in South Auckland. I mean, some people have said to us, oh, Ed, I really want to invest in Hearn Bay or St. Mary's Bay because house prices go in value more quickly there. And I live in that area, so I want to invest there. But when you start looking at the really low yields you get, even though house prices increase faster there, often they're not very good investments. What I always say is if someone's got a real desire to invest in a particular area, close your wealth gap first and then do whatever the hell you like. So one thing that you should also consider is, well, who is investing in Auckland the right fit for? Because it is not the right fit for everybody. So if you could afford it, then potentially Auckland could be a good fit. But if you're more budget constrained, look for somewhere where properties are a bit cheaper. It might be in Christchurch, it might be in Rolleston, it might be somewhere else. Similarly, you'd also want to think about the cash flow top-ups. So right now, because interest rates are high, generally speaking, the amount of rent you get isn't going to pay for all of the costs if you're honest about what all of your costs actually are going to be. And so because Auckland house prices are high, you can expect that you're going to have to cover more of that shortfall if you invest in Auckland. So you've got to be able to do that. And on top of that, it's probably going to be better for people who are looking for capital growth as opposed to higher yields because of all of these factors that we've already talked to you through. But I think if you do have the budget for it and you are wanting to invest in Auckland, I don't think you'll find a cheaper time than there is today. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're listening to this podcast, want to see all of the visuals, then just Google Opus Partners YouTube. It'll be the first thing that comes up. And if you want to get all of this data, I have updated it all on the website. All you do, go to the learn section, go to where to invest, and you will be able to see all of this data for every single region in New Zealand. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 